Welcome to Safety Bites, a weekly podcast on all things related to workplace safety, hosted by me, Jason Schaffenbuhl. The thoughts expressed in this podcast are based upon my opinion and general best practices, which may not apply to all listeners. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any changes in your organization. Consensus standards in general have formed the basis of our workplace safety and health standards in the United States, and they continue to impact employer obligations. But what is a consensus standard? It is a standard that is established in cooperation with parties interested in the development or use of the standard. The parties work to achieve consensus or agreement on what the standard should require by considering the opinions of the parties participating in the process. For example, imagine that concrete snow shovels have become all the rage. Several of these shovel manufacturers have decided that there should be a uniform standard on the strength and durability of their shovels and ensure proper usage. So, the shovel manufacturers create a committee that reaches consensus on how to test the strength of the shovels, including specific testing procedures and pass-fail parameters. The committee could establish procedures to test the durability of the shovel, such as the distance the shovel can slide across a specific surface before experiencing a certain amount of wear. Lastly, the committee may create a requirement that employers train their employees on the proper use of the shovel to ensure safety. These consensus standards can cover many aspects of a product, its performance and use, and these are only limited to what the manufacturers can agree to or reach consensus on. Consensus standards are often used to create consistency in products and to permit interchangeability. For example, many computer file formats are consensus standard-based. The MP3 format is one of the most common formats for digital audio files and is based upon a consensus standard. Music or soundtracks that are stored in the MP3 format can be then played back on any player that is capable of playing an MP3 file. Without these types of standards, we could potentially have a system where every manufacturer created their own file format, and if you wanted to play your music on different radios, smartphones, or computers, you'd have to buy your music in the format specific to that product. It would be frustrating. As I indicated before, another way consensus standards are used is for safety. The Underwriters Laboratory, or the UL, is the organization that develops many consensus standards related to consumer products. You likely have seen the UL mark on electrical devices like lights, fans, outlet strips, and computers. This UL mark means that the product you're using was developed and tested in accordance with one or more UL standards to ensure a minimum level of safety. So these types of consensus standards keep you safe by specifying safety requirements for the products you use. Another way consensus standards are used for safety is that individuals reaching consensus may specify how a specific piece of equipment should be used, what training is required, or if there are safe limits of exposure. ANSI Z358.1 2014, the Emergency Eyewash and Shower Standard, which I discussed in my third podcast on October 7, 2019, is such a standard. It specifies how an emergency eyewash should be installed, the temperature of the discharged water, and employee training. Consensus standards are a compromise. Imagine a consensus standard related to the recreational use of marijuana. No, there is no such standard. Some pro-pot committee members may not want limits on the amount of marijuana a person can possess, while anti-pot members may think that any amount of marijuana is bad. So, the members may ultimately reach a consensus and publish a standard. It's not that the standard is correct or right, safe or unsafe, it's just what could be agreed upon. It then may become a standard of what is acceptable in law. Because the people wishing to set a standard could be biased, the standard they develop may not reflect the opinions of all parties affected. For example, imagine a committee is made up of only marijuana farmers. That is where ANSI comes in. ANSI, which stands for the American National Standards Institute, does not write consensus standards, 
but it has a process that organizations can follow when they're developing, writing, and reaffirming standards. Specifically, the ANSI process is an open process that allows for the input of producers, users, or anyone with general interest in the subject. There are notification and publishing requirements and provisions for public review and input. Consideration must be given to those views and objections, and there must be a vote of the committee. It creates sort of a democracy for standards development. The ANSI process would ensure that the group of marijuana farmers involved other interested parties in the standards it develops. There are over 200 organizations accredited by ANSI to develop consensus standards, and they have developed over 11,000 ANSI standards. Only a small percentage of these are safety standards, as most are product performance standards, as I indicated before. If you were listening carefully, I mentioned ANSI Z358.1. This is a common reference to the emergency eyewash standard, but the name is technically incorrect. Because standards developed in accordance with the ANSI system are often generically referred to as ANSI standards, this is the reason many people think ANSI writes standards. The proper identification for this standard is ISEAZ 358.1. ISEA stands for the International Safety Equipment Association, and they developed Z358.1 in accordance with the ANSI standard setting process. This association is made up of members from manufacturing of safety products such as safety glasses, eye washes, hand protection, head protection, and high visibility clothing. This brings to light another benefit of consensus standards. They provide some liability protection to manufacturers of equipment. Imagine a safety glasses manufacturer. The consensus standard for safety glasses states that the lenses must be able to withstand a certain amount of force using a specific testing process. If a person were to be wearing safety glasses and the lens is struck by an object, but then the lens fails and the person is injured, the individual may want to sue the manufacturer for making an inadequate product. However, assuming the glasses are made and tested to meet the standard, the manufacturer can use compliance with the standard as a legal defense that their product meets established industry standards and that the forces these lenses were exposed to were greater than what the lens was designed to withstand. Consensus standards eliminate subjective expectations in regards to performance. I need to mention that not all consensus standards are developed in accordance with the ANSI process. This does not mean that non-ANSI standards are lesser standards. It means that they were created by an organization that is not accredited by ANSI or the process used to create the standard is not as transparent as required under the ANSI process. A consensus standard developed outside of the ANSI process does not automatically diminish the quality of the information or the need to ensure you address the hazards and the performance expectations the standard may recognize. I'm sure after listening to this podcast, you were wondering how you can learn more about consensus standards that apply to your organization. That actually may be the hardest part of attempting to comply with consensus standards. The vast majority can cost quite a bit of money to purchase. In addition, there is no directory of all safety consensus standards or what they cover. So what should you do? Look for industry associations that your business belongs to or can join. These associations can be great references and they often have consensus standards for you to review. Also, talk to equipment manufacturers. They will often share pertinent sections or requirements from consensus standards with you. But because these standards are not public documents and are subject to copyright law, do not expect them to give you a copy of an entire standard. Ultimately, it is up to you to research what consensus standards are applicable to your operations and the equipment you use. Think of this as an opportunity for lifelong learning. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and will join me next week. Until then, create a safer workplace and email me if you have any questions or suggestions.